You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports, featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. Welcome in Big Noon Sports. Glad all of you were able to join us today. And we're going to take phone calls the entire two hours. We have guests that will be in there as well. But you can call us right now and comment on the NCAA. Comment, uh, you know, Major League Baseball starts tomorrow. A lot of topics that we're going to broach this afternoon on Big Noon Sports. The number is 205-342-9904. We also have a website at www. BigNoonSports.com, Twitter, at BigNoonSports. All that being said, first of all, UAB is in the finals of the NIT. Gee, they held off a very pesky Wolverine team from Utah Valley University. Ty Brewer leading the way. Now they will play another Conference USA team, North Texas, on Thursday, and we're going to talk with that with David Crane, voice of the Blazers, the bottom of the hour about that. Chris Walsh uh, from Bama Central Sports Illustrated will join us in the second hour. But guys, uh, just you know, going through the pregame as we all do, I'm looking at Saturday, April first, at the semifinals of the NCAA tournament in Houston. And it still boggles my mind when I look at it and I see the participants and their seeds. Florida Atlantic, a nine, taking on San Diego State, a five. And then the nightcap, Miami, a five, taking on UConn, a four. Lars, are you still just a little bit surprised that these are the teams left remaining? No ones, no twos, no threes. Uh, somewhat. I mean, I, I really thought Alabama, frankly, was going to be there. Uh, I thought Houston was going to be there. I thought, I thought it was sort of, I thought it was Alabama and Houston. And then there was a little bit of separation with everybody else. But, um, you know, in talking with guys like Tim Brando and, and my buddy Seth Davis, um, it, there's really as much parody this year in college basketball. Uh, as there's been in a while. And now I do think that's going to shift, as we talked about yesterday, because of NIL. And just look no further than the Miami Hurricanes and how much money they paid for two particular players that have led them to the Final Four. Uh, and that's sort of a case study uh, A for the impact of NIL in college basketball. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's... Whenever you're playing a one-game series, anything can happen. You know, NC State can go on a run and and beat uh, Phi Slamma Jamma, right, in 1983. Remarkable. Still, still remember. Still remember where I was. I was, I was uh, in uh, Breckenridge, Colorado. Just got done skiing. It was actually on my birthday uh, that they uh, pulled off that upset. 
Um, but uh, yeah, Matt. I mean, that, yeah, I, I am surprised, but uh, I think we should enjoy it because of the nature of where the game is headed, specifically with NIL. I don't think we're going to see this much parity moving forward until something is done to change the NIL rules. And I don't think that those changes are forthcoming anytime soon. Your thoughts? We still going to have to get Congress involved. As we talked about, that scares the heck out of me. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, it, it won't happen for five years. So anyway, um, yeah, and I think the portal in NIL is the very reason why teams advance now. But earlier in the year, I was convinced it was Alabama and Houston, and they were, a, 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 you know, a, a heads, you know, maybe UConn a little bit there. But good grief. Uh <laughs> I thought they were way ahead of the rest of the field. I had them going to the final two. Um, but because of the circumstances of college basketball today, teams like Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami, UConn. I mean, really, UConn's the only true blue blood in this mix. And they had to restart their motors to get going as well. I did read with great interest how it is influencing college basketball. The transfer portal. The Florida Atlantic University head coach said that already and during the tournament, third parties from other universities have been contacting his players to get them to transfer. See, there's something that's really wrong. I also realize this has probably been going on since the 50s. But, you know, that that's an interference that somebody needs to address immediately. And the thing about it is... Lars, if a third party approaches another team, are you going to penalize? I mean, what? there's no law against it. You can't penalize the third party. You can't penalize the school for somebody repping them. So, you know, they've got a pile of coat hangers there, too. Yeah. And, and sticking with Miami, like, I, you could almost argue that the booster, John Ruiz, if Miami ends up winning the national championship, Ruiz is as responsible as anyone on that staff um, because of his his money and his influence. But I, I do think, look, this year it's a little bit of an aberration, right? Uh, this The quartet of San Diego State, Florida Atlantic, Miami, and UConn have already made history in, in this fashion. So since the seeding era began in 1970, The men's Final Four doesn't have any of the top three seeds, right? Not a one, two, or a three. Uh, San Diego State, FAU, Miami are all making their Final Four debuts in Houston. And San Diego State, which is a team that I think can win it all because of their defense, as we in Alabama saw firsthand. And how they're, you know, it was a really revealing interview yesterday in in speaking with your friend, Matt, who's a a longtime referee and in the Alabama Hall of Fame. Yeah, Walter Garrett, good guy. Yeah, yeah, and and just how he said it is so obvious that they are just letting them play. And it really favors a San Diego State team. Uh, and, And if that way of refereeing continues, and it certainly looks like it will, I think San Diego State's got a great shot to win this, and what a story that would be. Uh, they're the first team in, in Mountain West history to make it past the Sweet 16, let alone make it to the Final Four. Is there a team that you're pulling for? I, I'm, I'm kind of I'm pulling for the Aztecs. I, I, I am. I, I just uh, I, I like their toughness. 
I, you know, uh, I think uh, we we got to study them a little bit when they were um, when we were preparing to watch them play Alabama, and I, I really like their coach. You know, very likable guy, and it's they it's it's almost like they're doing it the right way senior laden team experience in a lot of ways it's it's men against boys right these are men (laughs) these are men they're 23 Uh, and 24 years old yeah they're not they're not 18 19 and still putting on weight and muscle these these dudes are (laughs) they're thick yeah uh and you know i can't do you kind of or you pull against since they beat Alabama? I, I think fans are probably right down the line on this. Some would, uh, I don't want them to win because they beat Alabama. And others would say, hey, I'm going to pull for them because they did. Yeah, I guess I, if you put my feet up, to, yeah, sorry, put my feet up, to the I always, fire. I always rooted for the team that beat my team because it makes your team look better, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it probably the majority would fall on that side of it. But I guess I'm pulling for the Owls of Florida Atlantic because they are the least likely to have been here. And also, personally, because I picked them to make the Elite Eight. Uh, I saw a little something in this team. And I, I guess there's a nine seed. They'd be the first nine to win it. I think Villanova many years ago won as an eight. Somebody else won it as an eight here in the last ten years. But I really don't have a dog in the hunt. But I like Florida Atlantic, and you want to talk about a contrast 100% flip on styles. It would be Florida Atlantic versus San Diego State. Uh, Because one is running down the back straightaway at 200 miles an hour. The other one's rubbing fenders. So with that being said, I also like Jim Naranega and and Miami. But... um, even though the seeds go from four to nine and the teams go from unexpected to very unexpected, um, I'm interested to see. It's, but I'll tell you one thing I'll note before we go to our first break here is that um, underdogs and television ratings do not mix. I don't know if you read this, Lars. Yeah. The uh, San Diego State Aztecs. And Florida Atlantic University games last weekend were 12 to 16 points down, percentage points, I should say, down in television rankings. Hey, they're not in a, there's not a Houston. You know, there's not a large market there. Not a lot of people even know Florida Atlantic's nickname. So they're less likely to watch the game. And yeah. then it also is reflected in, and you may, I'm going to let you take this for a minute because I think you have more information on I do. But I understand you can get a ticket to the games in Houston for seventy bucks. Yeah, I think the I think the price has gone up a little bit, but not much. And it'll probably come down right before tip off. And I, I think they are gonna have historically low ratings because the, the, the saying that everybody loves an underdog is just that. It's a saying. It's not a yeah, truth. Really. <laughs> they they might love it in theory, but they're not gonna watch it. And there's since there's no North Carolina, there's no Duke, um, there's no UCLA. You know, just the the, the blue bloods uh, aren't, aren't aren't there. There's no powerhouse from the Big Ten. There's no Michigan. Um, I, I think we're going to be looking at very very low ratings. Um, and, and just finally on Florida Atlantic, hey, you know, if you want to use a little uh, mathematical gymnastics, Matt. 
you can apply, if they win it all, apply the transitive property. UAB beat Florida Atlantic. Yeah. Atlantic wins the national championship. Therefore, <laughs> UAB should have won the national championship. Well, and I think they should have been in the NCAA tournament. But you can say that a lot about who's in the final I four know. of the NIT and the final two. But it is interesting. Uh, North Texas is taking on UAB, both out of Conference USA. The little known and very often talked about CBI. You know who won that? Charlotte at a Conference USA. And now you've got another Conference USA team in the Final Four in Florida Atlantic. All interesting stuff. Big Noon Sports going to continue on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Man, it is a pretty Wednesday afternoon. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon. The high today 68. Clear tonight below 38. For tomorrow, mostly sunny. The high 75. Friday, partly sunny during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe. The high Friday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Appreciate everybody dialing us in. Thank you very much as we continue to talk about the final four and now the final two in the National Invitational Tournament, and that is UAB taking on North Texas. Uh, that, too, that game will be a vast difference in styles as North Texas is going to play more like uh, San Diego State. Alabama's going to play. I mean, UAB is going to play at a very high pace. But uh, did you get a chance to watch most of the game? Uh, David Crane, play-by-play man for the Blazers, will be joining us at 1230. Let's chat about it a little bit. I did. And uh, actually watched both games and um, really thought Wisconsin uh, was going to emerge and uh, ended up falling short late in the first game. Uh, and for the life of me, I just blanked on who they played. Uh, even though I watched every second of it. Oh, uh, Utah Valley University, the Wolverines. Yeah. yeah the Wolverines. No, no, I'm sorry. The, 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 the first game, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, North Texas, because North, North Texas, Texas yeah, Sorry. Yeah. Wisconsin was in control of that game, the entire game until like the last two minutes. Um, so. I was really hoping for a UAB Wisconsin matchup, uh, just cause I thought it'd be more exciting than North Texas. But, um, yeah, I did watch the UAB game and, uh, you know, obviously Ty Brewer played really, really well. Uh, got a career high double double. Um, and then, you know, hold off in overtime 88, 86. And, um, look at, I mean, UAB, I think Andy Kennedy's is doing an outstanding job. Not True. giving not giving enough credit nationwide. You look at UAB's record that's uh 28 and 9 and that's uh that sets the program record for most wins in a single season. They've won 16 of their last 18 and the school advances to its first NIT title game. Now, 
I am someone who believes that the NIT is actually pretty important. And it's because of like when I was younger, uh, and I have to reference Nebraska because that's where I grew up, but it, it was a big deal when Nebraska uh, made it to the NIT and then made it to the semifinals, right? And made it to Madison Square Garden. And it, it, it really, um, it, it was like back in 82 or 83. And it really propelled the program for a while. It was like a shot of adrenaline. Uh, and they ended up winning the NIT. It was a shot of adrenaline that, uh, helped in recruiting. And, uh, and then, uh, Nebraska made it again when I was living in New York and I was uh, able to, to weasel my way uh, and get the Sports Illustrated box, which was right at midcourt at Madison Square Garden. And I think I was able to get six tickets. So I just brought my friends and, um, you know, all the free food and free alcohol at, at MSG. Uh, it was so fun. Like you, it's, you don't want to leave. And as a matter of fact, we had to be kicked out. <laughs> we were the last ones out of the Imagine garden. that. Literally <laughs> turn the lights off and security had to come kick us out because, um, you know, the, the Heinekens were flowing pretty well. But, um, and, 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 and Madison Square Garden is such a special place. I wish the NIT was still at. Me too. MSG. Um, and you know, uh, it, it just, it, it just made, it just made it feel more special than in this sort of nondescript gym in the desert. Right. Um, but you know, say la vie. So anyway, I, I, I think the NIT can really help because it does give you national exposure because everybody's in the, so into college basketball this time of the year. And when you're playing in the finals, you're the only game on. And so you're going to get a lot of eyeballs and you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of money bet on you. And you know, you're just, you're in the national spotlight. And I know, yeah, people are saying, oh, you're playing to be the 60, what, ninth best team in the country. Yeah. It is. Um, I, I don't buy that. I don't buy that. You have to be a very good team to one, uh, I, I think have like the, uh, the mental fortitude to play well despite the disappointment of not making it to the NCAA. And then you sometimes you have to go on long road trips like UAB has had to do. And 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 now, um, of course, there will be no motivation problems playing for a, a, a title, you know. But uh, again, that, those are just my thoughts on the NIT. I, I, do, I don't think it is appreciated enough across the country your, your thoughts man well i don't think it's appreciated as much as it was even in the time you were talking about before they expanded the field to 68 to 64 excuse me now on to 68 uh making the nit uh was a really big deal and i i think it got a lot more exposure nationally doesn't get nearly as much in my opinion now as it used to as far as the teams are playing it is important if you're going to show up. And again, I point straight to Clemson. Why accept the invitation if you're not going to really play in the first round? Uh, and you're going to get beat by Moorhead State. Uh, that's crazy. Don't accept the invitation. Take it away from somebody else if you're going to show up and not show up. 
Uh, so anyway, I went on my little tirade there. But I do think there is great significance with the NIT right now. If you don't believe me, ask UAB and North Texas. I'll tell you what is even a shinier example of that is UVA. Uh, Utah Valley, did anybody know, did anybody know where Orem, Utah was before we heard of the, of the Wolverines? No. In fact, they made two national television appearances in the history of the program and one was the semifinal and, uh, well, one was against Cincinnati and the other one was last night. And uh, that's pretty cool. So if you want to find a perfect example of what if the NIT makes a difference, go ask them. I, yeah, I, I would, I would uh, say uh, I would say, Matt, that it would be great for, uh, you know, a great advertisement for student enrollment at Utah Valley. <laughs> and you and I looked it up and it's 43,000, which is bigger than the bigger U- than Alabama, uh, bigger than BYU. And yeah, right, right there with Alabama, uh, for a school I've never heard of before. I, I just, I, I can't believe their student enrollment is that big. Uh, but, um, yeah, so in uh, in it, it was a nice story, and I, I was frankly surprised at how athletic they were, um, and, and uh, how much talent they had, especially on the perimeter. Just a really dynamic offensive team uh, with multiple guys again who could make plays, and they especially did that in the in the second half. But uh, I, I do think the, the the more talented team ended up winning. I do, too, and I'm glad for that on every single front. Ty Brewer, I went and watched the um, the NIT games that were played at Bartow, and you could see that Ty Brewer was starting to feel it. And I think he had a, he had a career high in the second game that they played here, and then he had another career high last night. So it's, it hasn't been just a Jelly Walker show. In fact, he was off last night. Um, and down the stretch, he missed some shots that normally he wouldn't. So um, I think UAB carries a more balanced scoring team into Thursday night's game. And I will say one thing about a particular play, and the announcers were quick to point this out, rightfully so. A seven-foot Jemison from Hoover High School went out on the perimeter and made a defensive play that boggled the Wolverines up so much that that they ended up getting a three-point call, the um, 30-second call, I should say. So uh, that was a, an incredible play by a guy not known, not known for playing defense on the perimeter. The other thing is, and I probably sound like one of those 90-90 boo-boo guys, but uh, with the exception of uh, a feature on Andy Kennedy that they did, uh, it seemed like it was a very, uh, were they leaning towards the university, uh, Utah Valley University? Yeah. <laughs> it seemed so. Did it seem that way to you? Yeah, yeah. It did? Okay. I'm not crazy. All right. Um, David Crane, UAB play-by-play announcer, is going to join us. He is in Vegas. That's coming up next. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
a national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. in Las Vegas, and he joins us now to talk about what happened last night, UAB 88, the Wolverines of Utah Valley 86. David, thanks. You having any fun out there in Sin City? Hey, Matt, I think he's having so much fun that we dropped the call. He's coming. He's call, We're calling him right back, and I'm sorry okay. about that, but I think he's probably had hey, a little okay. bit too much fun watching he, the Blazers. He's pulling the arm on that one arm bandit. That probably caused him. I don't think they let you use your cell phones while you're wandering around in the casinos. But uh, no, we had him and now he's gone. But um, Ty Brewer, as I was talking about going to the break, another outstanding game. Lars, listen to these numbers. Um, he had 30 points. He had five steals. <laughs> five steals out of nine. Uh, he had 12 rebounds. He had 25% of UAB's rebounds from the field. This is just amazing. He was 13 of 17. He played 41 of 45 minutes, and he was 4 or 5 three-point range. Uh, one of the better postseason efforts we've seen from a player, UAB and all. But I understand we've got David Crane back. David, you having any fun in Las Vegas? Uh, it's, it's Las Vegas. How can you not have fun? <laughs> was last night fun? It was. You know, it was two really good games. Uh, when we got to the arena, Wisconsin was up uh, double digits on North Texas. And then those of us who have seen North Texas all year, watch them do what they do. And that's um, make you look really bad on offense. And I think Wisconsin scored something like 13 points in the second half, nine minutes to end the game without a point. So um, it was a, a great lead-in uh, to the UAB game, and, and, boy, the Blazers and the Wolverines put on a, a pretty good show. You were talking about uh, Ty Brewer's box score, the line score and all that, and, uh, boy, needed every single one of those things. That needed Literally. every rebound, needed every steal, needed every point uh, to, to get out of there with a win. Uh, David, as, as you mentioned, uh, North Texas is a familiar opponent to UAB. UAB is one and two against North Texas this season. Uh, Blazers lost both games in the regular season and they beat them in the, in the Conference USA tournament. Uh, does this favor one team or the other? Is it, do you have a sense of, uh, of how this game is going to go given the fact that this is round four between these two teams? Well, I hope it goes uh, a lot like the last one, um, just with a, a little bit less nerve-wracking ending. UAB, as you said, lost the two in the regular season, kind of a, a lopsided uh, performance in, in Birmingham, and then lost an overtime thriller uh, out in Denton. And then in the tournament, just a couple of weeks ago, UAB got out to a 22-2 to lead um, over North Texas, and they, again, do what they do. They scratched and clawed and battled back, and UAB had to hang on for absolute dear life in the closing minutes um, 
Mean Green put the press on, and, and UAV looked like it had never seen a press before. And so that, that helped the, the North Texas calls and, and uh, survive that one. So I would love to see UAB get off to another good start. Uh, I don't think it favors anybody. These two teams know each other very well. You got two of the, the better um, players in the league, and Tyler Perry, who was the player of the year, Jordan Walker, the player of the year last year. You've also got two really good, at least two good bigs. Uh, on the inside, one for each side, and and those guys have, have battled each other uh, for a couple of years now. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great matchup. It, it, it's, you know, wonderful to see Conference USA trying to hog the, the limelight in, in the postseason. They've already won one tournament, guaranteed to win a second tournament, and who knows what Florida Atlantic may do this weekend. At what point in this tournament, or was it evident right at the very first game, did UAB just kind of go, okay, let's go out there and see if we can't win this thing? Because a lot of teams look at this as a consolation prize, and Clemson, as I've mentioned several times, a perfect example. They just go in, kind of dribble around, the other team beats them, Morehead State. Uh, was UAB destined for NIT? Is, is that what they felt? That's what Andy was telling them day one? I, you know, at, at a certain point in the season, yes. I think they realized it, it was going to have to be all or nothing in the Conference USA tournament. And, and, you know, they came up short in the, in the championship game. And, and, and I know coaches think I'm stupid and, and they're, they're not the only ones, but, you know, I have always thought if you're going to beat me, beat me bad. Don't. Don't let it come down to a last-second shot, a, a call at the end, whatever. Don't let it be heartbreaking, gut-wrenching, all of that. I'd rather, you know, and that's kind of what happened in the championship game. Florida Atlantic just beat UAB soundly. And so, to me, it's a little easier to bounce back from that, wanting another chance, wanting to get to play again, as opposed to sitting there, you know, crying for two days over a last-second shot that didn't fall or something like that. Where you're, you're absolutely kicked in the stomach. So, I, you know, people can certainly disagree with that, that theory I have, but, um, I, I do think UAB got that loss out of its system fairly quickly. And, you know, I think it helped number one to be playing at home, helped to be playing Southern Miss, kind of a rivalry game right out of the gates. We didn't, we didn't see them this year after they jumped ship, uh, out of conference USA this year. So, um, I think everything just sort of lined up nicely for UAB, and you're right. I think the the excitement was there early to get them through uh, that that first game, and then it just has continued to build. And yeah, I think they are absolutely uh, chomping at the bit to try to win a championship. You mentioned the success of Conference USA uh, in the postseason, and uh, it's, it's really incredible. Uh, Conference USA teams are a combined 17 and 1 this postseason. Uh, does this make you rethink how many teams from Conference USA should have made it into the NCAA tournament? based on their performance in the postseason and based on the performance of some leagues like the Big Ten, right, that just fell completely flat. Um, if one were to go back and and readjust the seating and, and who got in and who didn't, do you think UAB makes it in? Yeah, that's a good question. And and the, the people on that committee, are, again, are a lot smarter than I am, and they've got all sorts of metrics and rating systems and and all of that stuff that helps them try to figure out 
who should and, and who should not be in. And, and just based on those things, you know, no. Um, Florida Atlantic was, was far and away the best team in the league um, and, and had been really good all year long. And, and their metrics and their numbers had been really good all year long. I, I would say if, if they could go back and do it again, I think Florida Atlantic would be seated higher um, based on their metrics. I, I think they got a, a, a low seed. Um, probably because they're in Conference USA. North Texas had a great year. UAB had a great year. The, you know, the, the marquee high-quality wins just weren't there for the two of us. Um, and so, in, in turn, our metrics weren't as good. And so, I, you know, yes, I, I think Conference USA was a much better league than perhaps people gave it credit for being. I don't know if that necessarily translates to you should have gotten three teams in NCAA tournament. I would love to see that happen um, at some point, and I certainly hope it happens in the American Conference next year when when all of these teams will be playing in the American. Um, but, you know, you could, you could say, well, look at Wisconsin. They made a run to the Final Four in the NIT, and they finished ninth in the Big Ten. Heck, they should have been in the tournament. So everybody's going to argue and complain and, and, and gripe about it, and, and that's what is one of the things that makes the NCAA tournament the absolute best in my opinion, sporting events of all time. We probably touched on this uh, often, but I want to ask you again, what what makes the Owls uh, give their case for winning it all? Uh, they have a phenomenal head coach in Dusty May. Um, they are an incredibly unselfish team. And if you've read any of the stories about them, the last couple of weeks, you're you're learning all of this. These these guys, they do not care who starts. They don't care who comes off the bench. They don't care who scores. They don't care. They just want to win, and that's all they've done. They're going to, regardless, they're going to finish with the most wins in Division One basketball this year. So, um, they've they've got great leadership. They've got great chemistry. They've got a great coach. And, you know, they sort of live and I won't say live and die by the three, but that's their bread and butter. And they're so confident in what they do and how they do it. They realize we're going to have droughts in games. They have had droughts, I would imagine, in every single game this year. They don't care. They believe in, in what they do. They believe in what Dusty May wants them to do. And they know they're also going to go on some runs in games. And that's what you've seen in the tournament. They have never buckled when they've gotten behind, even by double digits to higher-seeded teams that they were supposed to lose to. They're just tough and gritty. Uh, they're fun to watch, too. Uh, I, I've enjoyed watching them play. Uh, didn't didn't love watching the, the championship game, the conference you know. a tournament with them. But um, th- there is no reason that they cannot win the national championship, none whatsoever. Hey, what uh, lit the uh, fire under Ty Brewer? Sorry, Lars. Yeah, just really quick. Well, go, go ahead with that, Matt. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, he likes to start, apparently. Uh, he's been sort of in and out of the starting lineup. And, and Andy Kennedy joked, I think it was the Moorhead State game where he scored 28 or something like that, that um, he inserted him back in the starting lineup and, and you know, how, how much – smarter he looks doing that so uh in the starting lineup last night and my goodness he played well and and he was so crucial early in the game his steals his defense his rebounding his shooting all of those things again UAB doesn't win that game without Ty Brewer's performance 
not just in the in the first eight to ten minutes, the entire forty five minutes. If he doesn't do what he did for forty five minutes, UAB doesn't win that game. And, and I know it's uh, we still are focused on the next game for UAB, their final game of the season. But can you just give us just a, a real quick thumbnail sketch of uh, of what the UAB roster could look like next year, and what Andy Kennedy, uh, what, what the what Andy Kennedy's team is, is going to look like? That's a great question. They lose six seniors. Um, off of this roster, and they're, they're six crucial guys. But that's what college basketball and, and college athletics looks like these days. Uh, he will hit the transfer portal. Uh, he has successfully navigated it uh, in his UAB tenure so far. And I think that's just what, again, what college athletics is going to look like. You're going to see new roster year after year after year um, with the portal and NIL and, and all of those things. So I, short answer, I've got no idea what it's going to look like next year, but there'll be a lot of new faces. Um, I'll, I would imagine a lot of those with some experience already. And and Andy Kennedy and his coaching staff have done a really impressive job of, of bringing kids in via the portal and melding them together and putting together a, a great team. If you play, if you just happen to saunter through the casino area, <clears throat> what's your game? Uh, I love blackjack, but the problem is Vegas is expensive. They, they don't have $5 tables around here. Now, $5 tables go on the way of the dodo in Las Vegas. You know what? They don't even have $5 tables in Philadelphia at Silver Moon anymore. Inflation twenty truck everywhere. My mom loves 25 or 25 or keep moving here. Yeah, it's easy to lose a hundred bucks real quick if it's a twenty-five dollar table. I just a yeah. uh, hundred bucks uh, is still important to me. It is, and you can't you can't write that off on an expense report for some reason. <laughs> yeah, it'd be good if you could recoup your loss, huh? Well, hey, thank well. you, David. Have a great broadcast tomorrow, and I will be listening. Thanks, guys. You bet. All right, I just from coming up to the on news sports. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. Luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check Check out Christopher Mobley, Luxury Game Day Apparel, Redefined. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. 
That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA grant number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this state. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 68, clear tonight, the low 38. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, partly sunny during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high Friday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 61 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Wednesday edition of The Game, we'll continue taking your phone calls at 205-342-9904. Bo Bounds is going to join us. Josh Pate's going to join us. Yogi Roth, who coached at USC with a great dynasty, he's going to break down what he expects from Tommy Reese, all starting at 2 o'clock here on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. just bug out of my head because I remember when a team, a franchise, you know, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, hockey, uh, when they were worth $100 million, that was just mind-boggling. And that was in my lifetime, in my adult lifetime. But now here is this report out of our nation's capital that Snyder has put the commander's on the block, $6 billion, billion, and they've already gotten two offers, one of which is a group 
that includes Magic Johnson. So just to address that first, Lars, don't you remember when you were younger? Uh, I, I think it was the Dallas Cowboys were the first team that was actually uh, worth a billion. But the the inflation rate for ownership of professional teams is just crazy. Yeah, um, and, and you're right. The most valuable team in the NFL – uh, and this goes back uh, to uh, Forbes. Forbes, I think they're pretty much the gold standard when it comes to evaluating uh, the worth of teams. Um, and so the Cowboys are been worth they're worth about eight billion now, and they've held the top spot since 2016. And then it's the Patriots at 6.4 billion, the Los Angeles Rams at 6.2 billion. And then you have both the New York Yankees and the New York Giants uh, valued at about $6 billion. Um, and got to remember that the Denver Broncos, what was it, last year, sold, or the year before, sold for $4.65 billion, which was a record amount at the time. And it's just, uh, it, it is unbelievable how uh, the value of these franchises has just uh, gone through the roof and I'm not exactly sure how the value is calculated, but uh, certainly uh, there is a, a methodology to it. Um, but uh, yeah, so it, it, and it's really like the NFL is absolutely dominating uh, this this Forbes list. Uh, thirty of the thirty-two teams in the top fifty were in the NFL, right? They make up sixty percent of the top fifty list, and um, and so. In, in, in years prior, like in the in the early 2010s, it was soccer teams like Real Madrid, Manchester United, Barcelona. Uh, but now the NFL has even surpassed those teams. And um, yeah, I mean, Snyder's going to get it. I think it's good for the NFL to have Snyder removed. You know, my brother lives in D.C. and Snyder is just absolutely reviled in that city. Uh, the franchise is a, is a complete mess. Um, and so uh, I think that's a, a good thing. And I think also it would be great if a, if a group with Magic Johnson got into ownership. What, what, what are your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. And uh, Snyder's one is welcome. Uh, he still has an archaic way of thinking. I'll just pretty much leave it at that. Most people are familiar with this guy. So, yeah, uh, a Magic uh, Johnson group. The other group is uh, Canadian billionaire Steve Apostolatobos. Can you say that one? Opus Alopolis. Uh, no. <laughs> he's got $6 million in his back pocket. And he's willing to buy it. Uh, one quick reaction. Um, did you say the New York Giants and the New York Yankees? Boy, that shows you how much the NFL is worth. Are tied at like something, four or five billion? It's six billion. Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, you would yeah. always think the Yankees were light years ahead of, uh, of the, the Giants, but. That goes to the strength of ownership in the National Football League. Yeah, and also I think it reflects a, a trend in the in the sporting fan landscape in the United States, right? Like it's just more people are attracted to the NFL than they are to Major League Baseball, you know. And that's been going on for quite a while. Uh, MLB has a real issue with the fact they're the average fan, the age of the average fan in the, in Major League Baseball. I think Matt is like early 60s 
and that, that's not something that is sustainable that or that you really want. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, we'll see. What <laughs> so you're saying guys like me are going to die off, which is true. I mean, that, that, it's an old school sport, and they can't get uh, the millennials in. And I, I have millennials in my family here, so I feel free to say that you can't get them to keep their focus on anything more than about ten seconds, and that's if a drink is involved. So, uh, having that been said, uh, did you see who was the lowest valued NFL team? Did not. Who is that? You're not going to believe me if I tell you. You'll say that's bull. The Bengals. (laughs) I thought that was very interesting. Hey, we got to get the break. Top of the hour. Next hour, Chris Walsh, Sports Illustrated, is with us. Probably seen their clothes in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here to treat patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you, aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Work is a part of all of us. Working drives us to push beyond what we thought was imaginable and allows us to come together again for the things that really matter. That's why the Alabama Department of Labor and the Alabama Career Center System is here to help you discover bigger opportunities than ever before. Visit your local career center or alabamaworks.alabama.gov. Funding provided by the USDOL, PTA, and Federal WIOA, an equal opportunity employer program. Auxiliary aids and services available upon request. Brought to you by this station and the Alabama Broadcasters Association. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. My caretaker was very rough with me. I thought they did it because I wasn't moving fast enough. Elder abuse is a crime, and together we can stop it. If you or someone you know has been abused, neglected, or exploited, call the Adult Abuse Hotline at 1-800-458-7214. That's 1-800-458-7214. Sponsored by the Alabama Department of Human Resources, the Department of Justice, ADECA grant number 18-VA-VS-050, the ABA, and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see where we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 68, clear tonight, the low 38. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, partly sunny during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high Friday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 62 degrees in Tuscaloosa. 
Coming up, Coming up on The Game with Ryan Fowler. Coming up on the Wednesday edition of The Game, we'll continue taking your phone calls at 205-342-9904. Bo Bounds is going to join us. Josh Pate's going to join us. Yogi Roth, who coached at USC with a great dynasty, he's going to break down what he expects from Tommy Reese, all starting at 2 o'clock here on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama Crimson Tide Sports. The longest-running sports program in Tuscaloosa. The game with Ryan Fowler. Weekdays from 2 to 6 p.m. on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports. Thanks for being with us. UAB won last night 88-86, and they advanced to take North Texas State on in Vegas. That'll be Thursday night. Of course, the Final Four is warming up for this Saturday. And there are other stories that uh, we're going to touch on this hour. And one of them that I, I, I read and I glanced over and I said, well, I'm, I'll get back to that later in the show. But there's a story happening in, that happened in Baton Rouge. LSU student arrested after allegedly stealing $1,500, $1,500 worth of beer. Not only did he steal that much beer, allegedly, but he stole it from Tiger Stadium, which, you know, that, you know, that begs a bunch of questions. Uh, you know, beer does have an expiration date on them. I don't know if that is the case here. But why are you keeping beer in a stadium that's virtually empty until August? So anyway, and I don't have much, many details on how he did it. Uh, says a, a group of college age males were seen by officers. They also, officers, they also have video of carrying cases of beer around at 3 a.m. Uh, but they fled the scene before officers could approach them. Uh, police then re- reviewed the surveillance, uh, video and, uh, then they found a pickup truck and they went back and they found that it belonged to Bryce Talota. Talata, 19, and he's been arrested on one count of simple burglary. First of all, what a heist if you get away with it. And in no way am I making light of robbery, okay? Because that's when you get down to the basics, that's what this is. They, looks like they broke in and stole, I'm going to do the math on this in a minute, but um, they stole $1,500 worth of beer. So, oh, the students with the effort. But surveillance video and running from the scene got at least this guy in trouble, if not three of his friends. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a lot of uh, bizarre uh, beer heist stories over the years. Um, and I, I remember uh, it was, gosh, not long ago, um, actually just – I think like a week or so, 
um, in, in Fontana, California, right, where it used to be a NASCAR track. I don't know if NASCAR still hits there. And it was affectionately referred to in the media as Fontucky. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you remember that? I've heard that, obviously. Yeah, yeah I, I've, uh, I've covered many a races out there. And, and NASCAR likes to portray that, oh, yeah, we're invading, you know, Hollywood, the, the heart of L.A. No, you're not. You are out in way, way out in the desert in Fontana, uh, surrounded by by trailer parks but um yeah so fontana police uh, not long ago uh found that uh a uh they recovered a couple hundred of cases of uh beer stolen from a cargo train and um and it was uh modello and uh i've also read stories of a, of a guy in oregon one time who had had well more than one too many uh, took a deer carcass into a store and he had empties inside of the deer carcass and then he tried to put a couple more six packs in the deer carcass to hide them and walk out the door. Well, that didn't work so well. Um, yeah, I think a common thread in some of these stories, just like when I was writing stories about uh, streaking at sporting events, Common thread was uh, the uh, the use <laughs> the, uh, or the imbibing of alcohol beforehand, and uh, you know uh, influence on the one's decision making process. But uh, yeah, now this this LSU uh, thing, I'm sure will uh, you know it will <laughs> it will be something that will be mocked by other SEC fan bases for quite some time. Well, if it was going to happen anywhere in the SEC, wouldn't it be LSU? Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, I did some quick math, and if you just kind of base a case, which is bought in bulk, obviously, by the, the athletic department, whoever, if you just put a case value at $20, that's 75 cases of beer. That's a lot of dang beer, and it's and, and cases of beer are are heavy, and cumbersome. Uh, you don't hold them right, they'll fall off the sides of the cardboard box. But I tell you what, I don't know what kind of payload that truck would hold, but 75 cases? And what were they doing there to begin with? Uh, just, I guess, if their expiration date were still good, I guess they put them in the cooler and sell them in August to their first home game. So, I don't know. It's an interesting story. I will tell you a beer story, though, real quick. From And this doesn't involve thievery. It involves nothing like that. But um, one of the guys who went to high school was going to the University of Alabama was driving between Birmingham and Tuscaloosa, the last leg from Huntsville. And he came upon um, a beer truck that had you know, had an accident. It had turned over on the side of the road and um, driver not hurt. Okay. Nothing like that, but he pulled up on it and there were just cases of beer and beer everywhere. And uh, the guy said, take as much as you want. We can't pick all this stuff up. It's too much of a problem. So anyway, his car came back from his beer hall and it was only about two inches off the ground because he had put beers, the front seat, the back seat, the trunk, 
here everywhere, filled it up everywhere, so much that the weight of his car had literally lowered the vehicle. And um, needless to say, we had beer for uh, at least a week. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the maybe the greatest, not the greatest, but the most infamous beer story in sports history was what? It's a baseball game. Ten cent beer night. Ten oh, you're talking about Chicago? Night. Yeah, uh, ten cent beer night is in Cleveland. Cleveland, that's uh, right. June fourth, nineteen seventy four. And, and I've thought about writing an entire book about this night. Um, yeah, so ten cent beer night. It was a promotion held by the Cleveland Indians during a game against the Texas Texas Rangers at Cleveland Stadium. And the the context of this is six days earlier. The Indians and the Rangers had been involved in this widely publicized, nasty, bench-clearing brawl, right? And so this game, the 10 cent beer night game, the crowd was rowdy and belligerent and just ready to go even before they entered the stadium, right? So uh, the promotion was meant to improve attendance by offering cups of beer for 10 cents, and that's the equivalent about in 2021, that was the equivalent of 55 cents. Um, but the, it was a discount off of the regular price of 65 cents. And Matt, the limit, you could, you could purchase six beers at a time, but there was no limit in terms of the amount of beers you could purchase during the game. Okay. So you could spend <laughs> 60 cents and get a six pack. All right. So as the game proceeded, on-field incidents and just epic, massive alcohol consumption further agitates the audience. And they start throwing firecrackers onto the field. Fans start streaking onto the field. Fans are openly smoking marijuana. Uh, there's the, the, the fans who are sober, like they left early because it was like a, a mob. This is, a, this is a mob brewing. And then uh, the continued just degradation of the conditions. This isn't funny, but it is. Uh, culminated uh, in a riot in the ninth inning when the fans rushed the field. And uh, players were forced to protect themselves with bats while retreating from the field. And then the chief umpire declared the game to be forfeited in Texas' favor due to the mob's uncontrollable behavior. So that's the overview of 10 cent beer night. And there's all these sort of like sub stories from that night. Um, but, uh, Matt, I think it was one baseball promotion that, uh, went awry. And boy, did it ever. I remember when this happened and the pictures and the just absolute drunken stupors these people were in. I mean, who thought that was a good idea to begin with? Um, a limit of six beers per purchase, but no limit on the purchases you could make during a game. I mean, I imagine they're uh, a tip that's uh, with very, very young people. Nine, nine fans were arrested. Um, there were basically only nine. <laughs> yeah. And they were charged with disorderly conduct. 
Uh, a few of the bases were stolen and, and never returned. <laughs> Literally? <laughs> yeah, yes, they were. I hadn't heard that. Literally said, well done. I didn't even uh, get to that myself. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and the teams, they had they fled their clubhouses and, and they locked the doors, right? And the crowd pulled up and, yeah, they stole bases from the infield. Uh, they threw cups. Rocks, bottles, batteries from radios, hot dogs, popcorn containers, even folding chairs. And that's when the refer the uh, the, the crew chief just said, "Hey, <laughs> the order is not going to be restored here, uh, and let's uh, let's let's just uh, cut this off." And, and uh, apparently, even after the game was called, the rioting continued for about twenty minutes. And <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. The two play-by-play guys started calling the riot play-by-play on the radio. Oh, that's terrific. (laughs) And one guy, uh, Herb Score, he noted that the security guard's inability to handle the crowd um, (laughs) kept the play-by-play going of the riot. That's that's true dedication. And, um, (laughs) yeah, but they did have a beer night. The next beer night uh, was uh, just a couple months later, and but they raised the price from one cent to ten cents per cup, with a limit of two cups per person. So uh, no riot that night. How do you keep up with it's a person that's getting two? You get somebody that's not drinking to get you two. Now that would take a lot of effort. Whereas in case number one, it didn't take any effort at all. It took a dollar, and you're ripped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's so funny. Um, the late, great Tim Russert, the NBC newscaster uh, who, who hosted Meet the Press, he was then a student uh, at, at, at law school in Cleveland, and he went to the game. And you know, the, at the, the the dollar beer night or the uh, the uh, ten cent beer night game, and his his famous quote was, "I went with two dollars in my pocket. You do the math." <laughs> So t- wow, <laughs> two dollars what? It get you twenty beers. So um, yeah, that's that's the story. Uh, I can remember some of those cheap beer deals going on at bars and restaurants around Alabama, Birmingham, and uh, particularly in Tuscaloosa. And uh, I don't ever remember any of them ending with everyone holding hands and sing singing Kumbala. So, uh, hey, we need to take a break. Our buddy Chris Walsh is back with us, and he will uh, join us on the other side of this break on Big Noon Sports. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 68, clear tonight, the low 38. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, partly sunny during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high Friday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 63 degrees in Tuscaloosa.
back on Big News Sports. Chris had a lunch and probably run long, so we'll we'll get him on eventually. He's uh, very, very, very reliable. Um, but we were talking about beer incidents and serving too much for too cheap, as they did in Cleveland. It reminds me of a couple other stories. Uh, one of them was, do you remember Steve Dahl, the famed disco hater of Chicago? Um, they did something at Comiskey where uh, he was supposed to burn a bunch of disco records uh, uh, because he was a rock and roll disc jockey. He didn't like playing this stuff. By the way, Mr. Dahl, I, I relate. But anyway, this crowd got so... You know, involved in this, that it got violent, they had to call the game. They had to, like, in the sixth inning, they just had to say, no more. Now, on a more funny, on a funnier note, I don't know if you read this or saw this earlier, but I bet you remember it. Uh, many, many decades, years ago, um, the Who played at Oakland, the Oakland Athletics baseball field. And, um, they played in like, I guess over the, maybe like in December or something like that, January. But um, then when the team got out there and started playing on a regular basis, you know, practicing, spring games, whatever the case may be, there were hundreds of little marijuana plants that were growing in the outfield right in front of where the stage was set up. Do you ever remember reading about that? I don't. I don't. You know, it's pretty funny. And I'm not endorsing it, but I mean, come on, it's just for the sake of humor here. I mean, here's like the I know you've heard the the urban legend of Wade Boggs, right? His ability uh, to drink case of beer. Well, Wade Boggs himself, right? The Hall of Fame baseball player for the Red Sox and the Yankees, and then the then the Rays. He claimed that he once consumed 107 beers in one day. Well, making a cross-country flight in the United States. Um, and he made that claim to an actor, uh, to actor Charlie Day, while they were filming uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And, uh, and, and this has been a, a, a urban legend for a long time. And Boggs has done nothing to sort of, you know, disabuse it. And, um, and so, you know, the details are murky, but apparently Boggs, like he started drinking immediately after the game in the Red Sox locker room and then kept drinking as the team went to Logan airport and they continued drinking as they took off from Logan, continued drinking, uh, on the cross country flight, uh, to, uh, California and then, um, actually they had a layover, drank on the layover, and then drank again on the next leg of the flight. And then when they got to LA, they, the team ended up going out. And because they had another hour or two. Yeah. <laughs> or three. <laughs> hey, let's so go. Boggs, uh, Boggs claims, uh, you know, a lot of people who were actually there, they, they had speculated, you know, later on, that Boggs drank somewhere between 50 and 70 beers. But they, Wade Boggs claims 107. Um, so How could you count after 100? I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, we had Wade Boggs on the show. Uh, I know. I, I know. I can't believe we didn't. I know. And 
I totally spaced on this because this is this should be like question number two to Wade Boggs, right? Is this story true or is it not? <laughs> I think the and I I don't know if he said this or the guy that helped me set it up said uh talk about anything but that. And I can understand. I mean oh, yeah. But uh maybe that was the reason we didn't ask him about it. Yeah, and you're right. There there may have been a condition on that interview. Normally but, we don't uh we don't stipulate two conditions, but if uh somebody of the magnitude of Ty Boggs or uh, Wade Boggs uh, will come on then uh and we'll we'll uh respect his wishes for sure. Now this is not beer related, okay? But last night in baseball, Southern Miss played Ole Miss, and the game had to be called in the fourth inning with Southern Miss leading two to one. And I kept waiting and waiting and waiting for the reason. Sod. The sod was slipping out from underneath the players' feet. See Super Bowl. But in this case, the more I think about it, it's understandable because unfortunately, Mississippi has been deluged, and there were uh, in the, the the hurricane, the excuse me, the tornadoes that came through uh, less than a week ago. Uh, there were 25 deaths. So I'm not making light of that. I'm just pointing out the fact that they may have um, a side issue because it was just soaked to the bone, and you know how that is, especially. Uh, baseball players still wear spikes, and if you start running in spikes, and it's even remotely loose, it's going to come out from underneath you. But the umpires made the call after a guy couldn't run to first uh, after a bunt. So they have uh, side hey, issues in baseball, too. Yeah, in sticking with baseball, now that um, spring training is over, uh, it, we're able to get sort of definitive uh, statistics on the pitch clock, right? And so the pitch clock ended up shaving 26 minutes off of spring training games uh, compared to last year. And now they're set to uh, be used in the regular season, which begins uh, on Thursday, uh, tomorrow. And games in spring training lasted two hours and 35 minutes compared to three hours and one minute last year. Uh, and, and the rule, as you know, Matt, is, is pitchers are given 15 seconds between pitches to throw the ball and, and uh, to throw the ball when the bases are unoccupied, and they have 20 seconds to throw when the runners are on base. Last year, Major League Baseball games averaged 303, so the hope is that they'll average about 240 this year. In the big picture, are you for the pitch clock? Yes. And you're our baseball expert here. Are you for the pitch clock? Yes, I am. And and I'm going to give you a quick answer to this. And Chris Walsh is now on hold, so his time is valuable too. But, yes, and, but I have maintained it's not just a pitcher's count. It's a hitter's count too because you've got to be back in the box with eight seconds ready to address the pitch. This is all good in speeding up a game that became too long because a pitcher's walking around the rubber, looking here, batters adjusting all of their their batting gloves and switching them around and back and forth. Uh, that's all a good thing. Don't get me started on the shift and particularly making the bases larger. They have no idea what they're messing with by making the bases even a little bit larger. That being said, my little baseball speech there, let's bring in Chris Walsh. Chris, how you doing? I'm good, guys. I'm I'm sorry I'm late. I uh, my my formal apology. 
I'm sure you had good reason. Um, so how have you been? We haven't talked to you in a week or so. Just kind of catch us up and tell everybody who you've got on what stories because uh, I guess you don't have anybody in Houston. Uh, yeah, we had to cancel those plans, unfortunately, and I, I was going to go, and I was really looking forward to it. But, um, you know, that's, that's the way it goes. And, um, yeah, you know, you go back to that San Diego State. It, it, it's, it, the thing about it is, like, everyone in Alabama for forever now is going to be, that was such a huge opportunity um, to, you know, possibly make the finals kind of thing where they could have had a rematch with UConn. And, um uh, it, it's it's going to be disappointing, but the thing is, they lost that game. I mean, there's just there's just no way around it. It's it, San Diego State did did the things that it needed to to win, and and they moved on, and they deserved it. So, um, I, I know it's really frustrating for for everyone and disappointing, but um, that's that's kind of the bottom line. So, uh, but yeah, we're going to be all over the place uh, this weekend. You know, you've got uh, gymnastics regionals, you've got baseball, you've got softball. And, um, you know, some of these road games, we're going to be doing live blocks from afar, but we're still going to be doing them. So, uh, damn essential. It's, uh, we're, we're, we're still trying to, to be everywhere that we can be. Uh, let's just stick with Alabama men's basketball for a second. Um, and then we'll, uh, wrap a bow on, on, on the season here. Um, one, okay. So two questions for you. I always have two questions for you. Uh, Brandon Miller, <laughs> historically bad performance. There's just no way around it, right? In the, uh, NCAA tournament. Um, for those, uh, any, for anyone who attempted more than 60 shots, uh, he had the worst shooting percentage going back to 1960. What, what do you, what, what is your analysis of what happened there? And I'll, I'll, I'll follow up in a second, but let's just stick with Brandon Miller. Do you think it was the, 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 just the, the, the mental fatigue of the season? Uh, was, was it his groin? Was it a combination of multiple things? Yeah, I'll go with the, uh, the combination of multiple things of, um, you know, teams, doing anything and everything they could to, to stop him. Uh, the groin was obviously an issue. I think the mental fatigue was definitely a factor. Um, and, you know, I'll, I'll throw this other thing out there, which the Alabama players and a lot of teams have been talking about, the, the ball. Um, everyone's having trouble with the ball. But, uh, you know, they're saying that it's really bouncy and it's overinflated and it's not what they're used to. And, um I, I just think it's, it was a combination of things, and, and for whatever reason, he couldn't get comfortable, and it, it just showed. Um, you know, it was his scoring wasn't just down. I mean, his rebounding was down as well, um, and that to me kind of is a little bit more indicative of, of the groin. I think I think it definitely was a factor. So, um, you know, take it for what it's worth. I, I don't think it was just one simple thing. Were you surprised finally um, the the physical play that the refs allowed in that game? I mean, clearly in the SEC, Alabama, other you know, Tennessee, obviously very physical team, and and they 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 beat Alabama up in uh, up in Knoxville, right, by basically playing rugby style basketball. 
Um, but by and large, the SEC, I, I think officials called the game a lot tighter than what we saw in the NCAA tournament. And then it's, it's like you, you, Alabama draws one of the worst matchups possible because you got a San Diego State team that is excels at perimeter defense going in. And these are grown men, right? 23, 24 years old, senior laden. Um, but just more important, were you, were you surprised at the level, the level of contact that the officials allowed in the tournament? I, I will say this. My biggest complaint with college basketball always has been, always will be, is the officiating uh, and the inconsistent way that games are called. Uh, it's, you know, you see like it's, it's, it's really, really hard for teams to, you know, figure out a, a kind of a direction that they want to go in kind of thing. Um, and I liked Alabama's chances in this tournament because you know, we thought that they're as versatile as any team out there and that there are a number of different ways that the Crimson Tide could beat you. So even if they ran into one of these one of these games, um, you know, you had to sit there and think, well, they're probably going to adapt better than anyone else. Now that, you know, the San Diego State game, it's, it's A, that was a factor, and it's like early on I was like, oh, they're in trouble, you know, just because you could see it. You know, Miller especially got couple uh, quick fouls too um but it's it's everything really had to go right for san diego state to win that game and everything had to pretty much go wrong for alabama to lose it and that's exactly what happened so uh you know if if you put those teams back on the floor even with the same officials uh you may not have the same same outcome um but if you play 10 different officials 10 games I think Alabama will win at least eight, you know, but just that was the ninth or the tenth right there. Well, we'll continue with more on the Dick Cavett show here. Uh, that's probably way over everybody's head or underneath. Anyway, uh, Chris Walsh will be back with us. Uh, I want to ask him what Alabama's going to look back, look like next year on Big Noon Sports. More Big Noon Sports coming up. Best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Alabama Central Sports Illustrated. We're going to ask him some questions more about Alabama basketball, and then we'll move into the spring. But um, I think it's a given that Brandon Miller's going to go. I know he hasn't officially made an announcement, but uh, he needs to go. That's where he belongs. That's where his skill set is in, in many ways, and I think he's going. But uh, I just wondered, Chris, um, is there a chance Sears is going to stay around? Uh, he's a junior in eligibility. Um, I hope Bediaco stays because I think he can grow some more. But uh, maybe the most uh, most guy in question is Noah, Noah Clowney. There are three guys. Can you give us your thoughts on them? Hey, Matt, Chris, Chris got disconnected. We're dialing him right back up. That's a, that's a, a user error uh, when we're setting up some phones. I, but 
I hope I'm hoping that really that Mark Sears comes back for for, for Alabama. Uh, Mark Charles Betty Ako. I, I think that there's every reason that Mark and Betty Ako should come back. What about uh, Clowney? I think Clowney is one of those 50-50 guys. He's going to go and put his name into the draft and receive a draft grade. I think his grade's going to come back between 20 and 35, and it's going to be up to him and his family to decide if, to decide if that's a if that's a if that's a good enough guarantee. I think that it, it hopefully, from my selfish perspective, he'll come on back and uh, I'll bump that draft grade back up to uh, in the 10 to 15 range. Oh, and Chris hey, Walton and is Joe, right on. So Joe, why don't you ask him? And Joe, okay, Chris is back. Uh, okay, yeah. Well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with Joe just really quick since we're down this thread. Uh, Joe, is there going to be a freshman coming in that can have not a Brandon Miller type of impact, but a significant impact? I well, yeah, you're you're not going to get anybody to have the impact like Brandon Miller, but Sam Walters is a name to watch, a big, big kind of forward wing player, um, and then uh, David Cosby, the early enrollee, apparently has been uh, lighting things up in practice and impressing the staff. So he came on as an early uh, early gra- he graduated early at the end of the 2020 uh, high school high school year and enrolled early in January. So I think those two guys can both make big impacts on next year's roster. We'll bring Chris back into the fold. We're talking about what Alabama may look like next year. And I uh, specifically asked about three players, Sears, uh, Betty Ako, and Clowney. What do you think, Chris? Um, okay, you guys can hear me this time? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, I was halfway through an answer before I realized you couldn't hear me. So... Um, <laughs> The guy that I, I think you got to watch there, and it, it's it's all going to end up, you know, like where you could go in the NBA draft is cloudy. Uh, I I just think that uh, he he did so well, and the NBA is really liking the younger guys right now. Um, I I think if he if he goes, he's got a chance to be a first round pick. So that's kind of for me the the benchmark where you kind of say, you know. It's, this guy's probably going more than, than staying, but, um, I, I haven't heard anything about Sears. So I, I, I don't really want to comment on, on, on him. And, and I agree with you. I'm, I'm Betty Ako. I think if he came back that, uh, one more year in the system, he could really turn some heads, I think, a year from now. Chris, um, I, I'm actually looking at your wonderful site right now, Bama Central, and you have a story up on uh, Alabama softball um, and the fact that the Crimson Tide has started two and four in conference play, uh, losing series to Arkansas and Tennessee. And I'll ask you what the headline is that you probably wrote. Uh, how concerning is how concerning is this start uh, to SEC play for Alabama? Yeah. Okay. First off, I did not write that headline, so um, let's, let's clarify <laughs> that. The but it's 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 a very fair question, and yeah, it's to lose two or three at, at home to Arkansas was tough. And granted, look, the the third game. Could have went either way, obviously. Um, and to go to Tennessee, you know, Tennessee is like number three in the country. It's up there, so right up there somewhere. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of series you're probably going to lose on, on the road in the SEC, especially. But yeah, it, it's a concern. I mean, this is a, this is a 
team and a program that's used to getting to the Women's College World Series just not last year. And they're not in the top eight right now. They're they're not uh, ranked in the top ten. Uh, I think you, you really got to wonder about, um, you know, where this team is going to be at the end. And granted, you know, still has, there's still time to turn this around. And you still have an incredible ace pitcher in, in Montana Fouts. But uh, it's I, – I, I, I don't see how you can't be concerned about where this team is right now, especially with some of the way some of the games uh, this team is losing. They, they've lost with some teams they have absolutely no business losing to. So um, it's it's yeah, they got to play better. I, I don't think there's yeah, any way around it. Chris, just to follow up real quick, is, is Alabama having trouble? The the softball team having trouble, and, and Coach Murphy finding that second pitcher behind Montana, or is it is it that? And the, the 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 just the the lack of hitting, uh, you know, to, to to put it bluntly, that is uh, that has contributed to this start. I think the hitting is more concerning, and and this is just my opinion. You know, it it they've had um, you know some pitchers that have done well in that in that number two spot, and you know you're talking about a couple pitchers who are. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, developing are going to be a little bit more. You know, they've got a new pitching coach, you know, so they're kind of working through some stuff, and, and you hope that they're going to be better at, at, at season's end. They should be. Uh, the hitting, to me, is much more problematic because if, if you can't hit in this conference, I, I don't care how how good Montana pitches. Sooner or later, they're gonna, it, it's going to bite them. And right now, they're not at the top of the SEC standings. And it, it, unless something changes... You know, this is this is a brutal conference, and um, to start off by losing the first two series, yeah, it, it's it's a concern. Let's switch gears real quick, Chris. This uh, spring practice for the University of Alabama. Uh, what have you heard out of there? And everybody wants to know about quarterbacks. Uh, you know, it's, it's I've been I've maintained all along that the quarterback competition it's it's not going to be. Uh, you know, something that's going to be resolved overnight. I don't think they're looking to have it resolved overnight. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a different spring practice this year. You know, they don't have the, the Saturday scrimmages like they normally do. And it, there's a lot more teaching going on. You've got a lot of new players. You've got some new coaches. Uh, you know, Kevin Steele's back as a defensive coordinator. So, you know, the players are trying to get used to him on the, on the defensive side. So it's, it's, you know, everyone just wants to go right to the depth chart and say, you know, who's starting, who's who's winning the jobs. But, uh, you know, this this spring in particular, I don't think it's a priority. I, I think it's really we got we've got too many guys that we've got to get up to speed. Um, that it's it's got to be the emphasis uh, for the spring. You know, when you get in the fall, that that obviously changes. But I mean, it's it's still March. Indeed. Hey, hey, Chris, you think Bryce Young was number one overall? I I don't think there's a quick answer to that. I don't think the Panthers have decided, but I'm hearing that they're leaning that way. But, you know, you never know. It's, it's, 
The stuff that's coming out now, half of it's true, half of it's a smokescreen. We all know that. I I think he would be a great number one pick for the Panthers. I think he'd be a good fit for them. Uh, Stroud's a very good quarterback as well. I don't think he can really go wrong between the two of them. So um, I think so, but, you know, who knows? Chris, thank you for your time. Everybody look him up on Bama Central. We appreciate it. We'll talk again probably next week. That's okay. Thanks. Chris. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Right. Thanks for having me, and I'm sorry I was late. That, that, that happens. Believe me, that happens. We'll be back in a minute. Covering SEC sports like kids do on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A sunny sky this afternoon, the high today 68, clear tonight, the low 38. For tomorrow, mostly sunny, the high 75. Friday, partly sunny during the day. Thunderstorms arrive Friday night. Those storms could be severe, the high Friday at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 64 degrees in Tuscaloosa.